Hi, I'm Dr. Omar Mania. I'm an emergency medicine resident physician at the Mount Sinai Hospital in New York, one of the hardest hit areas of the country in the current COVID-19 pandemic. As an emergency doctor on the front lines during this crisis, I experienced the tragedy of this disease firsthand. The patients coming in, they're sick, sick in a way that I haven't seen before in my career and I hopefully will never again. Normal oxygen level is 95, 96%, but I regularly saw patients coming in with 70%, 50%, even one patient at 31%. And the tragic part was these patients were alone. Because of the social distancing measures, many of them were in the hospital without any family members to hold their hands, to support them, and to whisper words of encouragement or prayers into their ear. So this was certainly a tragic disease. I also had some experience, unfortunately, as a patient. Um, my case was mild compared to those of thousands of others, but I had the disease. I was out of work for about a week and I couldn't leave bed for, for four days. I lost the sense of taste and smell, had a high fever. My back felt like it was gonna explode, but that was pretty mild compared to what others are going through. So today I'm honored to be with David Latt and Fiona Lowenstein to talk about their experiences having the disease. And so, so David, let's start with you. Tell us your story. Uh, so I started to first feel symptoms in uh, early March. It started with fatigue and brief loss of taste. After a few days, I started to get fever and chills and aches. Uh, and then about a week in, I started to get a cough and I had difficulty breathing. Uh, so that took me to my local emergency room at uh, NYU Langone. The first time I went in, uh, I did ask for a COVID-19 test because by then I suspected I might actually have it. Uh, but as many people know, it's very difficult to get a test. I hadn't traveled anywhere or interacted with any person known to have it, so I was out of luck. But I came back the next day at the ER, to the ER because by then I really was having difficulty breathing. I was having a tough time walking, standing. And at that point they admitted me, they gave me emergency oxygen. Uh, I was in stable condition in the hospital, admitted for a couple of days. My COVID-19 test did come back positive. Then about five days into my hospital stay, uh, I took a turn for the worse, my oxygen levels plummeted and I was put on a ventilator. So I was on the ventilator for about six days. Uh, luckily I came off the ventilator, not everybody does. I spent another six days uh, in the hospital recovering and getting supplemental oxygen, which they gradually tapered. And then I was released about three weeks ago on uh, April 1. Wow, that's, that's a powerful story. Dave, can you tell us a little bit about what was it like to have a breathing tube and be on a ventilator? Do you, do you remember that experience? And, and what do you remember about it? So I remember the intubation briefly. Uh, it felt like a scene out of ER or Chicago Hope. It felt like there were a million people in the room, even though I think there were probably only three or four. And uh, I remember getting the anesthesia or the sedation through an IV. And that was actually the last thing I remember. I don't remember the six days. And I'm glad I don't because I understand a lot of people have a kind of PTSD or ICU delirium. I remember nothing. And I think I like it that way. Well, um, you're you're one of the one of the brave survivors, and and we're so 
glad that that you're doing better, David. Fiona, tell us tell us your story. Sure. So I first developed symptoms on Friday, March 13th, and it came in the evening, a fever and a headache. Um, so of course I, you know, tried not to assume the worst, but the next morning I woke up and I had a cough um, and the fever progressed and was getting higher. So the day after that thing started to subside a little bit, I actually thought I was getting better. And then um, I woke up in the middle of the night with chills and vomiting and what I now recognize as shortness of breath. So the shortness of breath progressed until it got to a point where <clears throat> I had to uh, go to the ER and eventually be admitted into the hospital. Like, like David, I was just given um, supplemental oxygen at first. I was not put on a ventilator um, and I was basically monitored in the hospital for two days. Uh, once my fever broke and my shortness of breath seemed to get better, I was sent home. Um, and that was about, I would say I was discharged over a month ago. I'm on maybe day 37 or 38 of symptoms. After that first week though, I started to develop a whole other round of symptoms that I hadn't had initially. So GI issues, sinus pain, more or less kind of cold and flu symptoms minus the fever, sore throat, um, increased congestion. And that was to me sort of the second phase of the virus. Um, and now I'm in, I guess, the third phase, which, which has been characterized by a lot of fatigue and headache. So I'm really grateful to be home um, and very lucky that my case did not progress to become as, as severe as what David went through, but certainly it's been, um, it's been an ordeal and it's been a much longer recovery and healing process than I initially imagined. So Fiona, while you were in the hospital, did, did you feel alone? What was, what was that experience like? Yeah, I was lucky to go in fairly early compared to, to many in the city. So there were more resources available for me. Um, and my partner actually took me to the ER and then started exhibiting symptoms in the ER with me. Mm. Um, so we at first thought we both might be admitted, but because their symptoms weren't as extreme, they just had the high fever, um, I was admitted on my own. And that was very difficult for me. I've never been hospitalized before. I'm 26, I'm otherwise healthy. Um, and so to, to kind of be admitted and be completely alone, to know I couldn't have any visitors and to have no idea how it was going to progress. Um, you know, I, I definitely broke down that, that first morning that I was in the hospital, just the emotional toll of kind of worrying about what was going to happen and, and the severe isolation. Wow. So, so moving back to you, David, can you tell us how, how has this experience changed you? Well, uh, certainly uh, it's made me more grateful to be alive. I just have a greater appreciation for little things. I know it sounds cliched, but it really is true. And uh, it's also just made me more appreciative of relationships, even though we're in this period where we have to be isolated from one another. During my illness and afterwards, I just heard from so many people, family, friends, strangers I met on Twitter uh, who were really supportive and caring. And so I just am really grateful for uh, that support and I don't really take it for granted. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. You know, I know some people are starting to call this, rather than social distancing, it's physical distancing with social intimacy, because mm -hmm. it's so important to keep those relationships up. Fiona, how has this experience changed you? 
Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, I would say in some ways it was a bit of an ego check for me, right? I'm, I'm young, I'm otherwise healthy, I'm very active, and I thought that I would be able to ride this virus out at home. I never thought that I would be um, hospitalized for it. And even when I got home, I still had these, you know, kind of hopes and expectations that I would be back to my normal active self within maybe a week or two, and that really hasn't been the case. Um, but like David, I think it's made me really grateful for the connections that I have made uh, during this time. I started a virtual support group for others experiencing symptoms or, or in recovery. And that's been just such a powerful experience because I've been able to connect with, you know, strangers from all over the world who we may not have that much in common kind of on a surface level, but we've experienced this very debilitating illness. And so there's a lot of common ground there. That's amazing that, that you were able to do that. So, so we're here for the call to unite, to bring people together. And so if you could share one message with those watching, what would it be, David? Uh, well, I think what I would like to underscore is just how serious this is. I mean, this is not just something that affects the, uh, the ill or the elderly. Uh, I mean, look at Fiona, she's in her 20s and healthy. Uh, I'm in my 40s and relatively healthy. And uh, as we start talking about reopening the economy, which I also think is very important, I think we need to be careful and listen to the expertise of uh, physicians and public health experts as well. Thank you. Fiona? Um, I would say that I think we need to continue to prepare for the next stages of this crisis. You know, there was that first wave of infection here in New York City, um, and now we're going to see, you know, kind of a second wave of people who are in this recovery process that's taking a really long time. So I think we're going to be dealing with a, a large group of slow healing and chronically ill survivors, and that's something we need to start to prepare ourselves for. In that same vein, I think, you know, listening to the stories of people who have been through it um, and people who are working on the front lines is incredibly important because oral histories and, and, and communication is one of the main ways that we can kind of fight viruses like this, especially when we are dealing with a disease that has been politicized. Thank you. You know, this disease has been tragic, but there's also hope. There's hope in David and Fiona stories, and there's also hope in the data. At Mount Sinai, our hospital system has discharged successfully over 3,000 survivors. And three, four weeks ago, we were hearing Team 700 overhead every hour. That's when someone is decompensating and really ill. But now every hour, we're hearing Don't Stop Believing, the song overhead, which happens every time a survivor is extubated or discharged. And so I'm so honored to have been with both of you today and to hear your stories. Thank you. Thank you. Don't stop believing.